Blog Talk Radio. I can do it. Uh, oh, I'm all ears, sir. 
All right. Uh, for those of you who are interested in our actual film review, as opposed to <laughs> the random musings of Mr. Radlich and Mr. Winfrey, uh, tonight we are reviewing Warner Brother Pictures' The Legend of Tarzan, which came out Friday, and when we get to the money, boy, howdy, are we going to talk about them taking a bath on this one. But, uh, Mark, I'm curious, uh, was I the one who, I don't think I, did I recommend this one, or did I just point out that it was between, like, this and uh, the BFG this week? How was it that we, before I get into, you know, plot synopsis, how was it that we arrived at Tarzan this week? I didn't know what the fuck a BFG was. Okay, so let me, let me explain that. When I saw the BFG, um, I, I assumed it meant the big fucking deal, right? And I didn't know that it was a book because books are for, books is for burning. Um, so I didn't do any research on it. I just saw what was out there and I said, okay, well, Tarzan is clear of the movies that were coming out this week. Tarzan um, was the, you know, seemed to be the big tentpole picture. So that's the one we're going to go with. It was an easy, it was an easy uh, thing for me to come, you know, come to that conclusion. Um, had I known about the BFG and what it was and everything else, and had I known that my wife was going to insist that we go see it, uh, I might have skipped Tarzan altogether. And I, and I kind of want to talk about this at some point during the review of, you know, the cultural relevance of Tarzan. Is there any? You don't have to answer that right the second. But I do feel like it needs addressing. Because Lord knows there's not much else to talk about with this movie. Well, I think I brought that up last week, just as far as you know, them fighting an uphill battle to get people to go see this movie. <laughs> uh, we well, then we can revisit it because I because I, I was I was sitting there as I was watching this movie. That that's a, I couldn't get that thought out of my head. Of does anyone in 2016 does anyone care about the about the the white savage? I mean, well, we'll get to it. All right. Uh, I tried to tell you that the BFG was an adaptation of a much beloved Roald Dahl children's book. As well, you know, children not being, you know, like the infants, but, you know, uh, latter part of your elementary school education, I think was when I started kind of getting into Roald Dahl. I never read it. I mean, not, not doing shtick anymore. I don't actually burn books, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I don't recall this ever being a book that I had to read or um, this is not, it was not canon when I was, uh, when I was a youth, when I was but a lad. They ever make a Johnny Tremaine movie. I can speak intelligently about that. Well, sure. It was more geographically relevant to you as well. Yes, that, that's true. And I can never hear Johnny Tremaine without imagining Peter Griffin drunk reading in a library. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that makes uh, uh, Peter Griffin doing it that much better. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Believe me. All right. Uh, here is my plot synopsis for The Legend of Tarzan. Uh, first off, this is not an origin story, and I thank whatever deity I need to thank for that because I couldn't have—I don't think I could have handled it. This is also not. A, this is also not a continuation of Greystoke: The Legend of Tarzan. No, this is kind of a standalone thing. 
Uh, we right. are told, tar, well, we're and told Tarzan's it's, origins it's, through flashbacks. Um, boy, do I have a lot to say about that. But I, just real quick, I don't. I just want people to understand that that there was a Legend of Greystoke movie, and you know, and it was twenty, uh, you know, twenty odd years ago um, when it came out. In the year of twenty year old, uh, twenty year sequel, uh, Zoolander, Independence Day. This was not one of them. This is a brand new Tarzan movie. Now you may start. All right, we are told Tarzan's origin through flashbacks, and much like Mark, I don't have a whole lot positive to say about that particular plot device. I am eternally grateful, however, they did not feel the need to shoehorn an actual origin story or to waste the first third of the movie just dealing with his beginnings and his maturation and so on and so forth. I, 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 I Again... There's enough problems with this movie that would have tipped the scales, I think, too far more towards <laughs> bad. Uh, but uh, the linear story that we follow, we are introduced to the character of uh, Tarzan, but uh, his you know, given name of John Alexander Clayton, Earl of Greystoke, uh, British royalty. Do, he, do. Duke of Earl, do, do, sorry. Uh, you, you don't want to get, rack out a few more there? Do, 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 go, what do, 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 go, do, 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 go. A little flight for self for you. Remember that hand on the palm? Got my shotgun, no. niggas, jump. La, 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 do, 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 sorry. I honestly have no idea to what you are specifically referencing. Oh, you're not in the Cypress Hill, are you? What about me and what you know of me would lead to the conclusion that I was? Dude, Cypress Hill is awesome. We agree to disagree. Pump my shotgun, niggas did jump. Na, 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 na. All right, go on. Okay. He is. He has been invited by the uh, king of Belgium to re- visit lands in the Congo, where he has. Uh, again, as we meet, you know, we meet fully grown Tarzan, and he was the ape man, uh, was kind of the oddity, but has now been reintegrated into society, and they want him to go back to. Africa, and he's somewhat resistant to the idea. They, uh, the Belgian government actually wants him to go to the Congo because there is a local Congolese tribal chief who wants to kill him because, as we are again told through flashbacks, he killed uh, when he was an ape man prior to, again, meeting other humans that he could interact with favorably. Uh, this particular Congo tribe's rite of passage was, well, you go kill one of these gorillas, see, because they're vicious. And this particular son of the chief killed the ape that had raised Tarzan, and as one can imagine, he reacted badly and violently. And now this chief wants his head. So uh, the king's right-hand man and soon-to-be governor of all of his lands in the Congo... Uh, Leon Rom, played by the great Christoph Waltz. I'm the author of all your pain, Tarzan. 
that's not even appropriate in this instance. <laughs> no, but it sure is fun to say. It ruins its meaning if you overuse it and misuse it. I am the author of all your pain, Winfrey. <laughs> that's a slightly more accurate usage of how we would. <laughs> oh, that hurts my feelings. Sure it does. Uh, anyway, again, so there's that plot to get him to come to the Congo so we can hand him over and uh, then be paid in pounds and pounds of these apparently very rare diamonds that are found only in this one particular region of the Congo, uh, which is necessary because the Belgian Empire has basically bankrupted itself, setting up an infrastructure in this part of the Congo, so that they can you know, exploit and mine and profiteer and be those evil imperialists. I have a major gripe with aspects of that, but it's a personal gripe and not necessarily one relevant to the film. So I will preface it as such and save it for later. See, that's how you separate objective criticism from subjective criticism, rather than simply mushing it all together. Uh, Tarzan agrees to go. He brings his wife, who was also kind of raised in there with uh, in that part of the African jungle with her father, who was a missionary there teaching English. So they're both very, uh, you know, close to that place spiritually, and you know, they've invested in it. They grew up there, so they both go. They bring Samuel L. Jackson along for no discernible reason. I mean, the the plot gives you a reason. But Samuel L. Jackson in this movie, and I apologize very briefly for this because I know I'm supposed to just do my synopsis, but Samuel L. Jackson uh, vacillates between comedic relief and plot device in this film. And he's the plot device to get them there, and then he's the comedic relief for the journey. Yeah, I think he's also the social conscience of the movie. You know, they did everything, they did everything but dress him in a... Uh address him in a mail in a mailman's outfit and for him to walk across the screen and yell message. Yeah. Uh he's not the social conscience. He is the face of liberal guilt. However <laughs> you want to slice it. Well, there's a there's a difference. There's a substantial difference in what purpose a character serves between those two roles. Anyway. They go to the Congo, they meet with animals that Tarzan can commune with, even though that's not how that works. Sorry, I, I really, there's only a couple of places where I have to really kind of get into that's not how that works for this movie. Because otherwise, you know, what's the point? It's just a silly adventure film. Uh, they are ambushed by Rom with his, you know, army of mercenaries. We are very clearly made to believe our mercenaries and not the good people of Belgium because we can't have nationalistic enemies at this point in our popular culture. I don't know who to thank for that sarcastically, but there's somebody, I'm sure. Uh, Tarzan escapes, but they kidnap Jane and he then engages in a chase. They make a big deal about how the Belgian government is engaging in slavery. I don't know why they made such a massive deal out of that, but they did. Uh, Tarzan is able to kind of reunite with elements of the ape family he left behind. It involves a pretty vicious fight with a gorilla. 
they eventually he is eventually delivered, uh, lured into the basin where Congo Chief Jimon Hansu wishes to engage him in one-on-one combat. They engage in combat. Uh, they are they very nearly kill each other. Tarzan nearly kills him. They stop because the powerful words of Samuel L. Jackson to a group of people who, apart from their chief, probably have no idea what he's saying, uh, convince him that the native tribes of the Congo should put aside their petty differences and unite to fight the invaders. Uh, I really need to yell about the myth of that later on, too, but I will when I get to that point. Uh, he Tarzan then orchestrates a giant wildebeest stampede. And it's sad when your $180 million movies wildebeest stampede looks worse than the one done by the Lion King. But uh, there we are. Uh, he, you know, he saves the, he frees the slaves. He drives off the imperialist encroachers. He has, he gets crocodiles to eat Christoph Waltz. He convinces the Belgians that this is not an, uh, a valuable use of their time, manpower, and resources. And decides that he does not like society. He wishes to live in Africa with his wife from that point forward. Did I miss anything, Mark? I mean, as far as the plot synopsis goes, not really. Um, There's not a lot of plot let, no. Let me let me first say a couple of things just in general. This movie is a slog to get through. Um, normally, if I'm not off in a movie, it's generally not, you know, because the movie is bad necessarily. It is literally just because my sleeping schedule due to a, a variety of reasons is, is just fakakta. So, um, so I am prone to adrift here and there, as I like to call it, the heroin nod. Um, this is a movie where I was so bored in the first half an hour of it, I literally did go to sleep, hoping that when I maybe when I woke up, something fun would be happening. Um, so that being said, I hated the, I mean, I thought the movie was okay. I came away with a deep sense of meh. Um, yeah, I, I, felt, I felt, I, I, I feel this movie in terms of overall quality is on par with Independence Day Resurgence, which is not a compliment necessarily. Well, like I said, I actually enjoyed Independence Day. I, you know, with this one, it was it was kind of like if I hadn't already agreed that we were going to um, review it, I don't think I would have bothered to go see it. I just don't care enough. Um, but more than that, I was, I was at least, when I realized that the movie, you know, t- takes place after he's already left Africa, um, and this was, you know, the, you know, this starts off with him in England. I was actually excited by that because I wanted to, you know, because I was interested in life after, you know, he was raised by the, uh, by the apes. And then they kept going back to it. And I was like, what? Do, and I'm thinking about, you know, the use of flashback in cinema. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, what is it about his, you know, about these flashbacks are telling you anything you didn't already know? He's married to the woman. He obviously shows a deep affection for her. So you're going to show a flashback of him falling in love with her, telling you that he's in love with her, which you already knew by watching the contemporary parts of the film. Like that's what I mean by it's boring. The first 20 minutes that aren't having to do with Christoph Waltz, 
don't tell, don't reveal anything about the characters. There's one reveal uh, that gets dealt with pretty quickly, and that was that she lost a baby. And again, it had nothing to do with them meeting in Africa. So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm they're going back to these flashbacks. I'm like, these, they, they just stopped the movie cold. They, they stopped the tempo of the movie cold, and they don't really tell you anything you need to know. And I felt like by the end of it, all I wanted to do was, you know, I, I mean, the CGI stuff aside, which I'm not going to fight with you about. You think the CGI sucks? It sucks. I don't really care. Um, I thought the I thought the wildebeest stampede at the end and all the stuff with the animals, you know, killing the humans was the best part of the movie. I really did. I, I had no use for just about any other part of it. And I kept looking around at who else was at this movie, and it was a lot of women were there. Um, a lot well, Alexander of... Skarsgård is either in a very nice suit or shirtless for most of it, and he's an attractive man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it seemed to be the appeal of this movie um, was to people who just wanted to see an, you know, an action-adventure film. So there were a lot of minority families there, a lot of kids, um, and a lot of women. And so I was like, okay, so the only appeal of this is, like, you know, this was the action film of the week, and you get to see Alexander Skarsgård half-naked swinging through a jungle through most of it. That seemed to be the... <laughs> My wife just went, woohoo. Yeah. So there you go. Um, other than that, there's really no other appeal to this movie. Um, certainly nothing that really kept my interest. Like I said, overall, and then, then of course, you have the canard of, uh, oh, you know, this is, <laughs> this, this is really an apology about, you know, slavery. And I thought, but did they even do that very well? I mean, when you think about it, what do the Africans do to help themselves in this entire movie? Nothing. They are saved by Alexander Skarsgård, and they are, you know, made to look like victims for the entire movie. They, the tribe that he saves, don't ever have an opportunity for revenge. It's the animals that do the damage. This would have been a much more effective movie if they were trying to kill off all the wildebeest and gorillas in, in the Congo and not enslave the actual Africans. Then, at least when they got their revenge, you know, I could say, okay, see, look, the animals are getting theirs. You know, and given it and, and given the humans the business, you know, instead you have this whole subplot about oh, uh, the, uh, the 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 Belgians are trying to enslave the entire Congo, and they're just victims for the entire movie who do absolutely nothing to help. You know, you have that one little band that helps him, but once they're on the train, that's the last you see of them. Like, like, what was the point of any of this? So I just thought it was not a great, not not, not a well-written movie. Um, I thought there was a lot of concentration on things that didn't matter uh, versus things that kind of kept the plot moving forward. And Samuel L. Jackson is pretty much wasted in this entire thing. There's a lot of wasted talent, waste talent in this movie. You know, the only one I can say who does, you know, <laughs> this, this is going to, I don't know if this is going to sound like a compliment or not, but at least Margot Robbie is fine. You know, she does her best to play an American woman, you know, dealing with the situation. And, and um, I don't know. She, I think she tries to help herself out in her situation a few times, uh, and, you know, doing the best that she can. So she's not a completely do-nothing female. You know, she's got, she's got verms. She's got fire. She's got those. I like those on a woman. Johnny James. 
Um, you know, she, you know, she's got, she's got spunk. She's got flair. She's, she's, she's a fine American woman. American woman. I went like ADD tonight with this podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but, um, but she's okay. You know, and like I said, like, you know, my wife said, Alex Gander Skarsgård, Hotsy Totsy. Uh, Margot Robbie's American accent is fine. Other than that, I could take her or leave her. Yes, we've had this discussion. Which is actually how I was going to kind of tie back my partial robotness into that, into this discussion. <laughs> but, I mean, that's really it, Robert Winfrey. I just felt like I, I wasn't sure who this movie was supposed to be made for. I, you know, I felt like they focused on the wrong parts of it. Um, and that overall, I was bored. I was bored unless he was fighting animals. Then I was interested. Well, you were also entertained by the latest Turtles movie, so we all need to keep your particular proclivities well in mind when you say something like that. Well, as you said, I am a part of this show, and that's my opinion. I know. The same way you have to consider that I hate CGI more than just about anything else in film. A bad CGI, I need to qualify that. And that I hate really, really mindless action movies because there's they border on porn. It's just like, here, stuff blows up. Okay, so what? Well, stuff blew up. So but that's what? The thing, like, you, know, you keep wanting to compare this to Independence Day. I thought the stuff blowing up in Independence Day... And the story, by and large, made sense, and that it flowed. I mean, what do I say? You know, with a lot of these movies that we've reviewed over the past couple of weeks, did the plot, did the story flow from one scene to the next? Was the plot largely consistent within its own universe? You know, things of that nature. The problem, my problem with Tarzan, is the answer to all those questions. To you know, in, in the case of this movie, is no. I don't think it flows at all. I think every time it starts to it started to go somewhere. They went to a fucking flashback that didn't tell me anything. Yeah. Uh, and look, when I, I said right after I saw this movie, this was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be, which ought to tell you something about my expectations. Uh, I thought this would be, I, 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 I was more than prepared for this to be the worst movie we had reviewed so far this year. And um, I think it narrowly avoids that. Narrowly. Really? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if I... I didn't hate this movie. That's the thing. I didn't hate this movie. I was bored to mildly entertained, and there were definitely some narrative problems with it. Uh, I don't know if I've... I, I mean, you tell me. I honestly don't remember if I've hated anything else this summer. I've liked most of the stuff that we've reviewed to one degree or another. Yeah. I mean, Believe I a, me, I am aware of that. I had the one problem with Civil War, but up until, you know, to, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s odd choice to underplay the emotion in the in the last part of the film, I generally liked Civil War. I liked Batman versus Robin. Uh, Batman versus Robin. I liked Batman versus Superman. Um, Love Deadpool. So I don't... So uh, this might be the worst movie of this of, that I've that we've reviewed this year, by far. I wouldn't say I, by I far. Again, I put this movie in terms of overall film quality, generally on par with Independence Day. Okay, well that's you. I um I'm I'm going back to 
all the way at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm thinking like we reviewed Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I like that more than I like this. Really? Yeah. You, you are an odd one. <laughs> um, like I said, movies are meant to entertain, and you know, and the big question is, was I entertained? You know, first, was I entertained? Two, how well was this movie made? I just don't think this was a well-made movie. I think in it elements, okay. uh, it isn't. Yeah, I, I look, in elements, it isn't. Again, the narrative problems, they exist. They're a thing. There are some very odd choices uh, made in the, uh, both in camera angles and in the editing room for a couple of sequences that uh, really had me scratching my head. Uh, and, I mean, look, you and I are both kind of fans of just, you know, look, setting the camera still and, you know, let's letting both the scene breathe and letting the action kind of speak for itself. We don't need shaky cam and a million cuts. <laughs> and there yeah, was I, entirely too much of that. I, again, I wish, I think if you're going to have, if you're going to tell a story about how the, Bel the evil Belgians are trying to enslave, you know, the, the good and the righteous uh, Congolese people, I think you got to give the Congolese people an opportunity to do something, and they don't. This is this is the Tarzan story. Okay, well that that's the name on the marquee. That's fine, um, but then you have to give him a compelling story. You didn't need the subplot with with the Congolese people. If all he's if if the plot of the movie is, you know, I want diamonds. Well, in order for me to give you diamonds, you have to give me Tarzan. Fine, I will deliver you Tarzan. That was plot enough. So, he, you know, Christopher Waltz has a great line in this. He's like, you're, he's Tarzan, you're Jane, he'll come for you. Great. <laughs> great. You don't yeah. need more than that. They, the there's that, elements of this that are severely overwrought. You know, they didn't, they didn't need to do more than that, and they did. And okay, but if you're going to do more than that, then you've got to give me more than that. And I'm sorry, I'll say, this is like the third time I'm saying it, and, and maybe you disagree, but I don't feel like they gave the Africans enough to do. I felt like they were, I, I felt like they were, you know, Margot Robbie is less a damsel in distress than they were. And then, and then like I said, at the end, the, the, you know, they should have ran down the mountain, spears in hand, and, you know, and, and there should have been, a, you know, a violent clash between the uh, the, the new the old world Belgians and the new world Congolese, and instead, now I'm I'm all for a good stampede. I enjoyed that. It was my favorite part of the movie was the wildebeest stampede down the mountain. As it oh, my least head. favorite part of the movie by a mile. But it comes, but it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it doesn't give the Africans any good payoff. And, and you know, and you're supposed to be you know cheering for them the whole time. And again, you're you're back to this very muddled. Well, what is this movie supposed to be about? Is it about Tarzan? Is it about Jane? Is it about the Africans? It's just too, you know, it was like, well, we want, it was almost as if the producers and, you know, and the studio said, we want to do another Tarzan movie, but we can't just have the, you know, we just can't have the white savage. This is 2016 for God's sakes. We got to make this culturally relevant. I know, we'll make it an anti-slavery movie and then give the slaves nothing to do. Yeah, I got the good parts of this movie 
and we'll really kind of save it, are as follows. One is the non-CGI'd visuals. They are not mired in computer-generated imagery. This movie looks really nice. Unfortunately, there's a lot of CGI that is just cringeworthy. Second, uh, th- th- one, this is really sad because they didn't even let Christoph Waltz choose scenery. No, he doesn't and, even have like a lot of dialogue. Wait, and look, kind of Christoph w- Waltz is a tremendous actor. And the thing is, he can, he can be tremendous either in a very subtle fashion, such as, nah, again, if you want evidence, here's my evidence, uh, both Inglorious Bastards and uh, Django Unchained. He's a gives very subtle, very nuanced performances. He can also just chew scenery, and he's great at that too. And for some reason, they don't let him do it. It would have been a very redeeming part of this movie if you have pseudo campy Christoph Waltz, you know, chowing down on the on the scenery every now and then. It would have helped tremendously right. for the enjoyability of the movie. Honestly, if, they, if, they, if you're going to make a Tarzan movie, I mean, Tarzan is your old school superhero. You know, before we, before we had comic book heroes in movies, we had, the, we had the kind of Superman you could actually film because it didn't take a lot of special effects. So Tarzan is, our, is a centuries-old superhero, and if you gave him a mustache twirly supervillain in Christoph Waltz, this would have been a much more enjoyable movie. Yeah, uh, the other couple of things that are somewhat interesting about it. Again, uh, I want to say Christoph Waltz, but, you know, they don't give him anything to do. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård from a physical perspective, and I don't just mean how he looks, I mean physical acting, does a great job as Tarzan. Unfortunately, he is given, again, very little dialogue and very little of interest to do. But in terms of just, again, the physical acting, the way he moves, the way he emotes with his face when called upon to, which is sadly rarely, he does a very good job with that particular bit of material. And Samuel L. Jackson, who is a saving grace simply because he is Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I I really think that's it. I mean, there the fight sequences such as they are generally not choreographed to the best, and they're certainly not shot and framed and edited together in the best way possible. There's very little actual emotion in this movie, and the finale is a awful, awful CGI mess, where the bad CGI is somehow trumped only by the sheer lunacy of two men jogging and keeping up with a herd of stampeding wildebeests and not being trampled themselves. Ah, uh, yes, they were running with the pack. <laughs> like I said, it's, from a visual perspective... Look, I'm not Robert Winfrey. I'm Mark Rattledge, and I'm Mark Rattledge. Enjoy the silly. <laughs> so, and God was that silly. So I was. So I was very appreciative. Look, it was locked, entirely too stupid to be enjoyed. That's it. Says you. 
And just slogging through that movie after having to get through all the ridiculous flashbacks and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, subplots about the, uh, uh, you know, about... Uh, European politics pre-World War yeah, One. Trying to take over the Congo. I was happy to see a good old-fashioned mauling. <laughs> I just, I just wish there would have been more animals involved. See, that was nothing. It was like it was an odd choice to go with wildebeest because it isn't as like they killed the wild. Look, this is just film one on one. You have to have things that pay off in the movie, so you know you have your cheer moments. And so there's no, there's no scene where they abuse a wildebeest. You know, there's no scene early on in the movie where Christoph Waltz is molesting a wildebeest. So later on, when the wildebeest trample everyone, you're like, yeah, get up, revenge, you know. So there is a bit where I think they kill the uh, gorillas, and so it would have made more sense for the gorillas to stampede, you know. And just yeah, but there aren't enough gorillas to overwhelm a massively armed camp, and there are enough wildebeests. Now, well, then you know, then then you have to do kind of a lion guard thing, you know, where it's not just. Uh, it's not just the wildebeest, but it's also, uh, you know, but it's also the gorillas and the giraffes and the rhinoceri and the hippos and the alligators. Everyone's in there. You know, I just, that's, see, that's the thing. They didn't go far enough. <laughs> okay, Robert Winfrey? They just didn't go far enough. They had the wildebeest in there. They needed all manner of beasts to, to come running into this thing and trample, and they should have been multiple shots of humans being mauled by various atomites. I'm not sure I can adequately process that particular <laughs> theory at this point in time. You're going to be thinking about it later. You're just going to be all night. You're going to be haunted by the idea uh, of, uh, yeah, a variety of, of, of safari animals. It was bad enough that they somehow got these gorillas and these lions on the same team to stampede the wildebeest. I think if we add too much more into that, I would have just lost it. I mean, it looked <laughs> bad enough. It was stupid enough in general. A, uh, I mean, that extra step might have worked for you, but it would have just been like the final straw for me. Oh, no. I... Uh... It would have improved the movie a great deal. I could I could have forgiven a lot about this movie had I seen a ridiculous had I seen a ridiculous multi animal stampede at the end. Instead, we just got a ridiculous looking animal stampede. Meh. All right. Mark, I, I really just need you to agree with me about how bad the quality of the CGI is in this movie. Sure. Thank For the you. sake of argument. Absolutely. Shit CGI. I mean, we're not talking sci-fi original movie here, but uh, we are talking visibly noticeable differences between non-computer-generated imagery and computer-generated imagery. And it's really sad because... And the gorillas are kind of what killed this movie for me. I saw the trailers and saw the gorillas and went, you know, just a couple of years ago, Mark, you and I both uh, reviewed we, – we, on this show, we reviewed uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, which was you know, the sequel to the reboot of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And we had nothing but glowing things to say about the way the chimps and the gorillas and the orangutans and whatnot look in that movie 
because they look stupidly realistic. And then you get something like this, where every time the animal is not standing still, it looks so fake, you almost want, you almost wish you could see a zipper, because then you could at least get some enjoyment out of it on some level. <laughs> uh, I'm a stripper, unzip your zipper. It's a Lord's of Acid song. I will have to take your word for it. Yes, you will. Uh, all right. And objectively, yeah, the, there's narrative issues. There's writing issues. It looks nice. Uh, there's again, there's pacing issues. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård does a really good job with what he's given. Christoph Waltz isn't given enough. Samuel L. Jackson is there to just kind of tag along and try to guilt people because you're the audience and you should feel guilty. Uh, only about spending money on your movie. Yeah, that's really it. I, uh, I, like I said, I came away with a deep sense of meh. Um, I guess before we get into the money and all of that, I, I, we we can talk about this, and I and I, and I do think that this does bear, uh, you know, having a conversation. Does Tarzan even make sense in 2016? I mean, when you have Captain America and you have Superman and Batman taking up the screen and you have Star Trek and you have, you know, you have all these properties out there, uh, to what what relevance is there in, in Tarzan? What part does he play in our, you know, in our cultural economy? What, I, don't, I don't understand why the studio went out of their way to even bother to make a Tarzan movie. I couldn't tell you. Uh, I really don't know what inspired them to make this movie, unless it's a rights thing. Uh, make it or, or, or you lose the rights? Yeah. And I don't know that to be the case. I'm speculating here. Because uh, short of that, short of some kind of contractual mandate, I'm really kind of with you as to at, at being at a loss as to what inspired studio executives to sit down and go, you know, what we really need in 2016 is a Tarzan movie. <laughs> Disney couldn't sell Tarzan back in the 90s. What makes you think you're going to do it? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a tar- I guess what I'm saying is Tarzan to me feels like a hard sell in our it's contemporary tremendously world. Tremendously hard sell. I mean, how many people... And now, for those of you who don't know, I'm 30, Mark's 40. Mark, how many people our age are only aware of Tarzan as a character because of, again, that you know, Disney's movie about it? Um, I mean, I think the and, concept of me, well, okay, Tarzan... Let me, refl- let me rephrase. How many of us of our age are aware of it on anything approaching a relevant level? I mean, to some degree, <laughs> Tarzan is a bit within culture. You know, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, uh, the Tarzan yell. These are things that exist and will exist in our culture to one degree or another. But by and large, I mean, I think it's Gavin Napier who pointed out that the best Tarzan movie made to date was actually uh, George of the Jungle starring Brendan Fraser. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I go back to, you know, the concept of whitewashing and, you know, the idea of, well, let, let's, let's do a movie about a jungle savage. Okay, but why... White, but you know, you want the white audience, and and white people aren't going to see a movie about the Jungle Savage unless uh, you have a white guy as your lead, and that maybe have used to have been the case, but it's not the case anymore. You know, people will go see all kinds of things now. Um, then you know, and I don't know. And if that's evidenced plays. by us doing this show on a weekly basis. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but yeah, I mean. Like, like I said, you don't have the issue of necessarily uh, race playing a huge part of this. I mean, um, careful, you're going to angry up the liberals. Well, I don't. Well, I mean, let's let's look at the next Ghostbusters movie that's coming out. You have four oh, women. Why must you bring that up on every show? <laughs> well, this time I'm actually bringing up make a serious point. All um, right. That you know you have you have a situation where uh, they are re rebooting the property and it's got four lead, four women as your lead and one of those leads is black uh, and it's tracking to act, and it's tracking to make a fifty million dollar fifty million dollar open so the movie's going to do okay I'm not doing my shtick where it's going to make a billion dollars and all of that but you know I was just reading today that it is tracking well so the movie's going to be okay. Um, and we'll talk about as that. Much as I wish it would, it probably will. Um, so, so obviously, people, you know, internet trolls aside, are not unwilling to go see a movie that has four women as your lead, and one of them is black. Hey, so again, I go back to. Hey, I object to being called an internet troll in that particular response, respect. <laughs> Shoot pits, baby. Shoot pits. Um, I have no interest in seeing it because I. The humor is not at all what I like in a movie. You're missing Something else point. about that is relevant. But you're purposely being, uh, you're purposely being obtuse. Um, no, I'm not. I, well, because we're talking about what purpose is there to have Tarzan in this world? Why make it? Why? Why? Why make another? I mean, the answer might be as obvious as well because Tarzan exists and people know it, and you know, and the idea is. People will go to see a known, a known entity. People are more likely to spend money on known properties versus trying to break in with something new entirely. But, you know, this movie isn't doing well. No. I mean, am I, am I, you know what, that might, that, that's just going to transition into any, so. Hang I on, I have know. a brief, I have a really brief thing kind of along those same lines that I want to get out of the way before we get into the money. Okay. I am really, really, and look, this is personal. This is not an objective criticism of the film, except that this subject material is a bit ham handed within it. All right. Their handling of it is relatively poor. That's been discussed. What I'm about to say is purely subjective. This is just me. This is not me talking about film craft. I am really, sick to death of this I don't know if it's supposed to be guilt, I don't know what it's supposed to be that filmmakers keep trying to cram down our throats with crap like this I am sick to death 
of well, civilization and technological advancement and you know civilized society. These are dull. These are boring. These are bad. Uh, no, places like you know the wilds of Africa. That's where it's at. That's where you can live. Yeah, and you can live to the ripe old age of died in childbirth. I am sick to death of that myth. I am sick to death of the myth that in the face of an overwhelming enemy, in this instance like the Belgians, all these disparate tribes within this region will put aside their generational hatred for each other and come together and drive out the evil conquering army with their inferior technology. No. That's not how that works. It is a myth perpetuated by some deep-seated cultural desire to eliminate a bit of the guilt because expansion on an imperial level is a violent and in many ways terrible thing. It is. Not going to defend it. Not going to pretend it isn't. I will not be made to feel guilty about something that happened hundreds of years ago that I had no part in and could not possibly have affected one way or the other. That serves no purpose. If it were possible, I mean, Mark, how long, we're what? Less than 20 years removed from the Rwandan genocide? Sure. Less than 20 years ago, that entire country shuts down while one tribe attempts to wipe from existence the other one. Because they were slightly uh, either darker or lighter than the other tribe, if I remember correctly. The reasoning is irrelevant. The point is it (laughs) happened. Not really. I think the reasoning is very relevant. It 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 was that idiotic. Okay, fair. I, I understand your point there. Yes, it was that stupid. That's the kind of culture, we're, and this is not just about, you know, African tribes. You know, you think the Native Americans didn't try to get together when, you know, European expansionists or the Spanish or the French or however many of them wound up landing on their shores? It, the, the notion that these different and they are different cultures with generations of either agreement and amicability or enmity could put it aside is ludicrous absolutely ludicrous it's actually a figment of for want of a better phrase european expansionist thinking that there is a you know congo tribe nation no there isn't there are, in this particular sense, there are different groups, different tribes that maybe get along and maybe don't. But they, no overwhelming enemy. I mean, this bothered me simply because Margot Robbie sent out that one guy, rally the tribes and let's get help. Well, if he wound up, if he wandered towards the wrong tribe, he'd just be dead. <laughs> These are. These are just myths that are perpetuated by poor elements of storytelling. And personally, I am more than a little sick of it. I don't know. I, I, I hear what you're saying. 
Um, and, and this is just your show as much as mine. And if you want to go on your soapbox and talk about something, be my guest. I don't know if I care enough. <laughs> I and, look, if, and that's my thing. My part about this is this was just, in this particular instance, one too many movies that I saw it and I banged my head against the seat in front of me in the theater and decided that, you know, this time I actually feel compelled to talk about it a little bit. Because no, it's a trend, it's a stupid trend, and I really want it reversed. I want us to get away from it. And if I just, and the only way I'm going to potentially affect that is to bring it up on a platform where people other than those around me in the theater or in my own immediate family will hear me. Okay. All right. And with that, uh, Mark, let's move on to the money. Oh, I got to hit the button? Yes, that's your button. You press that button. I press that button. Who, I me? hit the other one. I yes, you. You can't find it, can you? No, I, no I've hit the button. It's not doing anything. Damn you, Block Talk Radio. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Hang on. All right, I'm going to try this. Here we go. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Hey, I got it to work. All right, Mark. Let's talk money. Let's talk money. Ooh, doggy. I actually found a really good website today that's a, um, that just looks at box office flops. Oh, here we go. This might be it. Yes. Boxofficeflops.com. I'm going to have to bookmark huh. this page. Um, I don't know if Tarzan What an apt title it. for that particular website. <laughs> uh, in the meantime... Let's see. We have a $180 billion budget. Uh, this thing did for its uh, for the July 4th weekend, it did $52 million at home. It did $19 million across the seas of cheese. Yeah, Warner Brothers is taking a bath on this one, guys. <laughs> for the third week in a row, one of us, the Disney... Finding Dory was the number one Finding movie. Finding Dory. Well, we both right. knew that was going to hit a billion, right? It isn't quite at a billion yet, but it's getting there. Oh, uh, it, we, uh, I'm fight. just saying, we both knew that was going to get there eventually. Yeah. Finding Dory is at uh, $563 million, uh, putting that uh, worldwide... It is currently sitting at uh, number six of the year. So the first, so the top six movies in all the world, four of them are Disney. One of them is Batman vs Superman, and the other one is Deadpool. I, I I feel like that tells you a lot about what's going on with with, with the world of movies. Yeah, something uh, you know, like Deadpool made a lot of money. It's uh, not a not a ringing endorsement of contemporary society. That wasn't supposed to be the takeaway, but whatever. Um, Any chance right to get now, a dig in at Deadpool? Of course. I, I freely uh, admit right I'm now. the only person I'm a, I know one other guy who feels like I do about that movie. 
right now, Legend of Tarzan Worldwide is sitting between, um, but it's sitting at 38th of the year. It's between Miracles of Heaven, uh, Miracles from Heaven, and 13 Hours of Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, which I think also bombed. So, not doing well. No, and the production for this film, uh, you almost have to, this is one of those where I almost feel bad, because they started production on this thing oh, years ago, and I don't mean like last year, I mean, ah, need to find the exact date, hang on. This is riveting. Yeah, yeah so no, well, 2008 was when they, uh, I mean, they started, you know, writing in 03, but you know, how you have something written and being in turnaround, that, that's not a big deal. In 08, they started uh, another one, but that got abandoned because it was a bit too similar to the Pirates of the Caribbean series. In 11... Uh, they had it rewritten again. They finally chose the director in 12. Uh, they started some production. Production was suspended in April of 13 because there were budgetary concerns. Three years ago, they were worried about the budget. <laughs> uh, Alexander Skarsgård was cast in 2012. So here's what cracks me up about this. Okay, you ready? You ready to work? Right. You, you ready to hear what cracks me up about this? Yeah. We didn't get the Tim Burton Superman movie because there were too many uh, flops at Warner Brothers. You know, there were there were too many movies that opened and did not do very well. Uh, so we never Mark, we never got. I don't care. I don't care what deity I have to thank that that cinematic abomination never came to fruition. I really don't. Well, I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> you know, you would have hated that movie more than I would have, and that's saying something. I don't care. The point that I'm trying to make is that they dumped a lot of time and energy. I mean, they had Nicolas Cage casted. They had him trying on different Superman suits. They had sets built. They were, you know, dead set in the middle of making that movie before they, before they, was like, uh, before they finally pulled the plug on it. Meanwhile, look how many years it took them to get Tarzan going, and they were like, no, no, we can't give up on this one. That's the, the point that I'm trying to make, sir, is that, uh, you know, that, that they're, willing to go to, they're willing to go to the mat for Tarzan, a culturally irrelevant icon, uh, but Superman, a bona fide ticket seller in 2016, and you know, with Tim Burton at the helm, who at the time, you know, wasn't a sham, and they, no, they pulled. No, he was. People just hadn't realized it yet. Okay, like I said, at the time, not a sham. Robert Winfrey struggling with English today. Uh, he was still a you know, sham. Was, My point was, is, we as a society had not yet recognized what a sham he was. That does not make him not a sham. Oh, oh God. (laughs) uh, How about this? At the time, people still thought Tim Burton was a decent director and would pay to see his movies. Sure. At the time, his movie still sold tickets. 
People went to go see Tim Burton movie. So it it just drives me a little crazy that they would go to the map of Tarzan but abandon Superman. That's all. That's the short version of that story. I really wonder, and I I have to find that documentary. I would love to know the exact number of dollars they had sunk into that. A lot. There was, I mean, they, but what's like a lot? Said, sets were designed, costumes were designed. They had a script. They hurt Kevin. Well, sure, feeling. but I mean, if you get to the point where you've spent less than a hundred million dollars, I mean, is that the point where you just say, "Fine, we're putting something out"? Yeah, I don't know. That that I would have to go back and watch the actual documentary. So I'm not, hey, I'm, 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 that's kind of where my interest would be with this. Is you know, well, we've we've put money into. The Legend of Tarzan. Well, okay, how much money? Well, we've we've got these guys cast, and it's 2012, and True Blood's kind of relevant, and it's fans like Alexander Skarsgård, so he's going to be in it, and Samuel L. Jackson's in, and Samuel L. Jackson's pretty awesome. Fine, but we've rewritten the script three times, yeah, and we've paid someone to do it each time. Uh, we've got some set designs going. We finally got a director, but we're going to have to rewrite it again. And how much money have we sunk into this by this point? Well, we've spent $85 million. Screw it. We're, at this point, we are committed financially to one way or another release a movie. And that's what we're going to do. Oh, my God, free. We are pot committed uh, to use some poker parlance. Yeah, it's just crazy. Anyway. Uh, this thing is this, this thing is currently bombing, and unless you know, and oh, it's with, bombing hard. <laughs> let's put it this way: if this were in a summer release, let's say this was October, when not a whole lot of anything good's coming out. Man, um, October is barren this year. It's it, it's a little bit shocking, to be perfectly honest. Or or like we're not reviewing anything in September except for the Magnificent Seven. So let's let, let's assume it waited until September to uh, to come out, right? Um, it might have done, it might do better, you know, with nothing else to go see in the movies, people might go see a half-naked man swinging among the trees and a wildebeest stampede. You could sell it as a pretty decent date night movie. Yeah. I mean, there's theoretically enough eye candy for both men and women. If, and my ambivalence toward Margot Robbie aside, I recognize I do not represent the average heterosexual male in this particular instance. However, now this thing has to go up against all the other summer, you know, still competing against fucking Finding Dory, for example. Um, Next week, this coming week, it's got to compete against The Secret Life of Pets, which is tracking to do extremely well, and has got a positive view of me. So, you, you know, you've got the fact that it didn't do well, Again, uh, it, it didn't do well critically, um, getting into and it's got some stiff competition coming up. One this week with the Secret Life of Pets, and then Ghostbusters comes out. So this thing is uh, going to get so this thing is going to get trampled um, and forgotten about pretty quickly. Like so I, I, many I, extras I, in the face of CGI'd wildebeests. <laughs> wah wah wah. Jokes on you. <laughs> All right. Your turn to press the button. Oh, I should bring up Rotten Tomatoes, shouldn't I? What are you doing? 
Sir, we are going to read the Rotten Tomato reviews. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Still no reviews in for Ghostbusters, by the way. Well, they're not going to screen it for critics because it's terrible. Uh, However, uh, this got a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, The Legend of Tarzan did. Uh, Which is about right. Got 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the BFG, the big fucking uh, deal. The big friendly giant, for crying out loud. (laughs) 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which we'll be reviewing tomorrow while... uh, well, well, poor Robert Winfrey is uh, dealing with night one of three back-to-back-to-back UFC shows. My wife and I will be reviewing the, B, the, B, the big fucking deal. It's a G, not a D. Your, your interpretation of the initialization does not even make sense. <laughs> but it makes me laugh. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. is 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> All right, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm out of control. I'm going to hit the button again if you ask me that. Are you ready for this? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All right, so we've got 93 rotten reviews and 49 fresh ones. Uh, That being the case, since it's so lopsided... We'll just do the uh, the rotten reviews tonight. Uh, whichever reviews you think are going to uh, push me towards my inevitable aneurysm, sir. All right. It's a film both classically old and boorishly modern. In the true spirit of the 2016 blockbuster, it struggles to find the right amount of charisma to propel towards something worth talking about. I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, that's a pretty decent line that it opened up with. You know, you've got too much bad CGI and too many logical leaps that make no sense. And yet you're utilizing those tools to tell a very old story and muddle it to the point of near incomprehensibility. Uh, let's see here. That was Connor O'Donnell, the film stage, by the way. Uh, Jay Olson of Cinema of Cinema Mixtape says, an elegant but incomparably dull action adventure movie that makes Peter Jackson's lethargic King Kong remake look like an EDM festival by comparison. I actually liked Peter Jackson's King Kong. I know I'm in the minority there. Lauren Schwal, Schwal of Red Eye says, you'd be better off watching cartoons or watching the cartoon. Uh, no, I can't support that particular line simply because Phil Collins does the music for the cartoon, and I can't support Phil Collins in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Because I can't stand, I can't talk. That includes things. you doing bad karaoke about it. <laughs> now, how do you feel about Peter Gabriel? Friends, have a Uh, I was not aware that Peter Gabriel was even a person until you did that. Oh, no, you're not familiar with Genesis? Nope. 
Apparently not. Oh, okay. Big time! Anyway, uh, Brian Truitt of USA Today, top critic, says, well, it looks great with its gorgeous computer-generated foliage. And oh, real shut success. up. <laughs> Unless that is a deliberately sarcastic sentence from you, sir, you have lost credibility right out of the freaking gate. Can I finish? Yes, sorry, I just... Anyone who defends no. the CGI in this movie no. needs to be no. struck with no. a fish. Excuse me, I have my bit, you have yours. Hush it while I finish, sir. Brian Truitt, USA Today, top critic. While it looks great with its gorgeous computer-generated foliage and realistic animals, the story focuses too much on its stiff hero and one-note villain rather than the big-picture ideas it raises in passing. Now you go. You are so fundamentally wrong, it's borderline incomprehensible. That it, no, look, this movie looks great when they don't use CGI. And if you happen to be so partially brain-dead that you can't tell the difference, I'm going to ask you to turn in your top critic status, return your last paycheck, and kindly go stick your head in a bucket of ice water. <laughs> Claiming that this movie needed to focus more on big-picture issues is also deeply misguided. This movie needed less big picture and more actual interest in the characters. You do more with less in this case than by trying to be big, sweeping, and expansive in terms of, oh, those, uh, no, slavery's bad. Well, no kidding. Any other gems of wisdom you'd like to dispense upon us? Midst of your crappy-looking gorillas, moron. Isaac Felberg, we got this covered. All the CGI grandeur in the world can't help this Tarzan outrun its uncomfortable white savior overtones. You have completely reversed the issues, sir. <laughs> Tarzan <laughs> exists as the white savage. Removing the white savage from Tarzan, and you do not have Tarzan. CGI, the CGI in this movie is crap. And unfortunately, it doesn't even have the common courtesy to minimize its use of crappy CGI. It throws it at us willy-nilly. And yet, no, you have the temerity to sit there and type out with any degree of integrity that this looks good. Shame on you. Mara Reinstein of U.S. Weekly Top Critic says, The drama is so dreadful that you will root for the apes to eat the evil humans just so it will end faster. Well, I'd root for the evil humans if they gave the evil humans something interesting to do. I tend to root for Christoph Waltz. Christopher Lawrence of Las Vegas Review Journal says, there's simply nothing here worth yelling about. Well, I think we've proven that wrong tonight. Well, there's nothing in and of the, uh, about the film that's worth yelling about, but you bunch of idiots praising crappy CGI. No, I'll yell at you all day long. Leonard Malton of Leonard Malton's picks. As popcorn movies go, The Legend of Tarzan is pretty good. Yeah, okay. I'll buy that. Uh... Look, well, let's be clear here. Pretty good 
is a very, very low bit of praise from where I sit personally. You could probably go see this on a date night with your wife and be marginally entertained while you talk to each other and share popcorn and stuff happens on screen. Okay. Uh, Simon Morado of Student Edge. The Legend of Tarzan sees Swedish clay figure Alexander Skarsgård play Africa's favorite son, which in our socially conscious and politically woke times is like casting Iggy Azalea as hip-hop's chosen one. Wow. Because, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't want an actor to actually act beyond the range of his nationality. It's not like we had, you know, an Irishman portray one of the, you know, two or three greatest presidents in the history of the United States of America. That would just be silly. Shut up. Kimberly Cadet of Doddle. Me, Tarzan, you, Jane, movie dumb. She got paid well, to write that. That's what bothers me. You know, it's not that you decided to be cutesy with uh, your succinct review. That doesn't bother me in the least. Fine. Go. Ahead. We do enough shtick here. We are, we are okay with this. It's that somebody decided that you should be paid to type that out. <laughs> if you are being paid, I'm doing this. Mark and I do this for free. Right? Nobody pays us to do this. Though, if you would like to sponsor us, contact Mark. We are prepared to read. Just throwing it out. Oh, yeah. there. <laughs> Just throwing uh, it out there. If we have a viewership, we have a listenership. It's not huge, but we've got them, and they're pretty devoted. And I love each and every one of them. <sighs> Gary Wolcott of the Tri City Herald says, "Can't resist the wordplay. Nothing to go ape over. Uh, maybe you should have. You should have. You really should have. Or at the very least, not have prefaced it with, boy, I sure can't resist this." Stunning bit of verbiage that sprung to mind. Willie Waffle of wafflemovies.com. You know, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned that website more than the actual guy has. But Willie One Waffle would assume. of wafflemovies.com says there's no Oscar for best abs. No, there is. Wow, really? That's what you kind of <laughs> came away from? Well, uh, you know. They don't give out Oscars for your best physical appearance. And now you've put the idea out there that maybe they should. Congratulations, numbnuts. All right. <laughs> a lot of comparisons to the Lone Ranger, by the way, in these uh, rotten mm, reviews. That's a rel- my understand. I haven't seen the Lone Ranger, but my understanding would be that's a relatively fair comparison in terms of both troubled production and flawed finished product. Uh, the Lone Ranger was terrible. Well, sure. You cast Johnny Depp as Tonto. That wasn't the worst part of the movie. No, it wasn't. But that ought to tell you how bad the rest of it was. Um, David Edelson of the New York Magazine and Vulture says, and he's a top critic, The Legend of Tarzan plays as if a dog ate part of the script. <laughs> Steve Purcell of Tampa Bay Times says, M. Tarzan, me disappointed. Aha. Mark, I want you to go to your local grocery store and see if they will sell you a pre-gutted but still functionally whole fish. <laughs> and I want you to drive to this person's house and beat them about the head and shoulders with it. 
Uh, last one. James Martha, the South China Morning Post, says, the legend of Tarzan integrates state-of-the-art computer-generated animals and foliage into a shamelessly old-fashioned jungle adventure that regularly evokes King Kong and the Jungle Book. Well, that's a statement that is fundamentally accurate on many levels, though he has done very little to, in the way of actual criticism or enticing anyone to potentially even click on the rest of his review. Okay, this is the last one. Cam Williams of Beret News. Seriously? (laughs) I can send it to you if you want. This is what we've come to. (laughs) This is what passes. (laughs) What, Mark? How did it come to this? Well, the education system is not very good. Mark, how did it come to this? <laughs> uh, crack's a hell of a drug. I accept the logic that, okay, people may not be being told appropriately within school how to separate subjectivity from objectivity, in which complaints about a movie are subjective versus objective, which deal with the actual craft of the film, and which deal with how you enjoyed it on a personal level. I accept that, Sure a bunch of liberal arts professors telling people that their feelings matter and you don't have to justify how you feel. Well, you don't, but don't confuse your feelings for mattering. But how did it come to this? This is the last one. I know I've said that three times, but you have Adam Graham of the Detroit news, top critic. The legend of Tarzan is no jungle boogie. But it's a decent swing. I would really love to say something derogatory, but that poor man lives in Detroit, and I just have to imagine this is how he gets by. <laughs> how he how how he has not collapsed into some kind of near zombie-like state is simply because he makes stupid jokes when writing movie reviews. That's all I've got. Now well, we are. Fresh out of reviews because the last few of those were actually uh, are actually fresh. All right, Robert Winfrey, I'm tired. Let's go. Next week we have the Secret Life of Pets. The week after that is Then Star Trek Beyond, and then Ooh. Jason Bowen. Which, by the way, yeah, the, week of, the week of Ghostbusters and the week of Jason Bourne, we will have the return of Long Road to Ruin featuring the. Uh, first two Ghostbusters movies and then the video game that acts as the third part of the trilogy and the Jason Bourne conundrum uh, trilogy. The Jason Bourne pickle. Conundrum. The Jason Bourne uh, Rogue's Cube. I was in the bookstore today and I happened to see that there's a new Jason Bourne uh, book out. Yeah. <laughs> I was severely disappointed with the first Jason Bourne movie precisely because I was familiar with the source material. Maybe you'll see things as I do and you'll know that books are for burning. Uh, Yesterday, the Metal Hammer of Doom reviewed the the new Gojira. Um, We we were about as hard on Gojira as Robert and I were on Tarzan. Uh, Tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, right before... uh, the main the main card starts for Al for uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus 
Um, Eddie Alvarez. Brian Alvarez. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez. Why would you think Eddie Brian Alvarez? Alvarez? Isn't he just some, like, sports writer? Yes, sir. I said I almost said Brian Alvarez. Thank you. Um, I, would, I would pay to watch Rafael Dos Anjos abuse Brian Alvarez. Just throwing it out there. So, anyway, right before you can watch Rafael Dos Anjos uh, fight Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title on UFC Fight Pass, my wife and I will be reviewing the big fucking deal uh, right here on the Rattle Engine broadcast. I'm glad your inaccuracy gives you a chuckle because it actually is giving me a tick. <laughs> well, anytime I can cause you to have a tick is a good night. No, uh, but seriously, folks. Uh, You've had a really time. good night. <laughs> but seriously, folks, uh, we, we saw the BFG yesterday. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different since I can't, you know, since I, I can't give my wife an aneurysm by reading Rotten Tomato reviews. We actually will compare it to the book since she read it. And, you know, we'll talk about its uh, impact. We'll talk about some of the, the differences. So my wife is a big fan of the book. Uh, she read it to her class. We're going to talk about it here on the on the Rattle Broadcasting Network tomorrow night, 9 o'clock. So we're starting at our old time of 9 so that I can then watch UC Fight Pass. Uh, next Don't week, you just give said, your wife an aneurysm by insisting she be on a podcast? Uh, yeah, generally speaking. No matter how many times she says, but, but kind of like young Michael Jackson, but I don't want to perform. And then I hit her in the eye and make her perform anyway. And then, you know, then she has a million nose jobs and like these are Michael Jackson jokes. Never mind. Um, so next week we've got the secret life of pets. Uh, that'll be, we'll actually be reviewing that on Tuesday to Thursday uh, because Robert Winfrey will be reviewing, will be covering uh, UFC Fight Night, uh, Rory McDonald versus John Lineker. And then uh, on July, Michael McDonald versus who? John Lineker. Michael McDonald. Rory McDonald fights at welterweight. I don't pay attention to this shit. Um, I am aware. Mar- that's why I'm correcting you. Because you are making this error genuinely not an attempt to get my goat. If you were trying to troll me, I'd have ignored it. But because I believe you to be fundamentally mistaken, it's Michael McDonald versus John Lineker, which is the replacement main event, which was supposed to be Tony Ferguson and Michael Chiesa. I was really looking forward to that, but Chiesa got hurt. So Ferguson's going to crush some scrub, which I'm okay with Will as well. Tony Ferguson's a wild man. All right, so since he'll be reco- so since Robert Winfrey will be busy covering Ronald McDonald versus John Lineker uh, on Wednesday the 13th, we will be reviewing uh, The Secret Life of Pets on Tuesday the 12th, and then Metal Hammer of Doom. Uh, it's shit we forgot month. We are we're going to be reviewing the Lacuna Coil album Delirium, and Jesse Starch will be very happy. That's all I got. I'm tired. I'm tired, Robert Winfrey. I'm tired. Well. Starting tomorrow evening at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can follow along with my live coverage of UFC Fight Night 90. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez. Fight Pass exclusive card ought to be... Well, it'll be a card. The main event's good. And if memory serves, the co-main event is Roy Nelson and Derek Lewis punching each other in the face until one of them falls over. So Mark will be quite happy. (laughs) Uh, I don't even mean that sarcastically, folks. Mark genuinely loves crappy heavyweights who punch each other in the face until one of them falls over. Woo-hoo! Friday, the card I am dreading for the week. Uh, 
the finale of the Ultimate Fighter season, who gives a crap? Yeah, but your chick is fighting. Your girlfriend. That is not an accurate statement. You love Joanna Champion. You want to have 10,000 of her babies. Uh, that is physiologically impossible. And even if it weren't, uh, would be so painful as to the point where I would have to reconsider, you know, everything. Robert if and you're attempting to mock, If you're attempting to mock my fandom of a woman who is one of the most violent fighters in the sport, you're simply going to fail because she's awesome. Robert and Joanna sitting in the tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-T. Uh, but that fight's pretty good. Uh, Ross Pearson and Will Brooks are going to fight on that card, which ought to be pretty good. But I hate tough finale cards. Ask me why, Mark. <laughs> why, Robert? Commercials. Because these mm-hmm. cards take forever. Insert Sandlot forever. Forever. <laughs> You know what I'll be doing while you're doing that? I'll be at the drive-in. Oh, watching, you will be uh, suffering as well. You'll be having, you'll be sitting through my big fat Greek wedding too, and you might suffer more than I do. Oh, I'll probably be asleep. Ah, uh, that I had that luxury. <laughs> but uh, no, that that fight card is uh, those tough finale cards. They take forever because there's, especially when they get to the actual finals for their crappy little tournament. Because no one watches the show, so they have to air a three- to four-minute piece on each fighter prior to them actually getting in the cage. So what you get is a fight ends, you get a commercial break, you come back, you get a video package for one of them. You get a, If you're lucky, you will then get one of the commentators talking, and they will set up the next video package. Then you get another commercial break. Then you get a fight. Then you do that again for the other final. If you're unlucky... You go commercial break, video package, commercial break, video package, commercial break, fight. And I'm not feeling lucky. I used to be really good about timing my naps in between fights. You were. You were the king. I remember that. You were the man. (laughs) I could could go to sleep when a fight was over and wake up just as they were in, just as someone was walking to the ring again. Yeah, you, you were awesome at that. And then, uh, so stop by, say hello for my live coverage of that. And then this Saturday, UFC 200, which is a ridiculously stacked card. Every fight on the main, on the main card of that event could main event a pay-per-view. Yes, even Travis Brown and Cain Velasquez. The first fight of the night, the first preliminary fight of the night for that event is Jim Miller and Takanori Gomi. That's how stacked that card is. Of course, Mark will uh, spontaneously climax and fall asleep after Mark Hunt and Brock Lesnar in the co-main event, but... I will be so naked during that fight. I'll be at my friend's house, and I will be naked. Yeah, I'm sure your friend will appreciate that. He won't have a choice. Yeah, hence the sarcasm. <laughs> Are you actually picking Brock Lesnar in that fight? I'm just curious. No. <laughs> I, I don't see how 
Mark Hunt doesn't sidestep. Uh, I mean, Mark Hunt's proven on a couple of fights that it's very hard to get him down. It's um, not. It's just hard if you set up your take. If you don't set up your takedowns, and your takedown attempt is a double leg from the outside. Steve Miocic took him down easily because he did it intelligently. Well, either way, um, I, do, I, don't, I don't. That's kind of Brock Lesnar's only hope is that he can successfully complete a takedown within seconds into the into the fight, and then just lay on top of Mark Hunt and you know and hit him with pillow fists until the round's over. Brock Lesnar does not have pillow fists, Mark. If he gets on top of Mark Hunt for any prolonged period of time, he's going to smash him. I don't know. By the way, have you heard that Frank Mir wants out of the UFC? Yeah, I heard that. I don't care. Frank Mir hasn't been relevant in the last three years. Well, he I'm got fat. He's fat. I'm wondering what his deal is. Like, does he want to go he to He got suspended. He, he failed a drug test. He just got knocked out. He's on a massive losing streak. I don't know. I don't care about Frank Mir. Okay. He, he just got I, knocked. I, uh, He's probably still a little bit loopy from that right hand Mark Hunt landed on him. I like watching Frank Mir lose fights. I wish he'd lose a few more. Well, he can go to Bellator and lose them there then. No, he'd probably, he'd probably be a uh, champion in Bellator. I don't think he'd beat Minikov. Mm, I suppose. All right, anything else? Uh, so those three consecutive nights of coverage, I will need all the support I can get because I'm going to be uh, borderline burned out. Then this Sunday at a special start. There's a, this Sunday at a slightly special start time of 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm bumping the, st- uh, the start time back an hour because I've got family in town and I want to spend some time with them. Shocking, I know. Is it Joanna Champion? Family, Mark. She's your wife, isn't she? No. What would lead you to make that completely irrational conclusion? Because you're in love with her. You love Joanna Champion. You want to have 10,000 of her babies. And we're back to your silly little shtick, okay? <laughs> we never really left it. Fair point. Uh, anyway, this Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, we will be reviewing all three of those events and previewing uh, Fight Night 91 from somewhere in South Dakota. It's not a joke. That's actually, it's uh, Sioux Falls, I think. Are you driving to it? It's entirely too far for me to drive. Isn't it like right next door? No, Mark. I don't know. <laughs> Try to keep it real. Real dumb. Well, you have succeeded in the dumb part. <laughs> Are we done with this podcast, speaking of dumb? Uh, hang on. I need that. Okay. Uh, so anyway, stop by for all of those. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I can't even place my normal moratorium on MMA-related stuff after that event because, well, there were some technical issues with my appearance on Factor Fiction this week. Uh, my answers, which I submitted, somehow got lost in the Internet. Really? So make yeah, up I was wondering what happened. Yeah, I submitted them uh, the night I got them, too, and then... Apparently, they just didn't go through properly. 
So I talked mm, with. I uh, won. I won my week. Woo! You did. You uh, you edged it out. So no, I talked with Lorenzo, uh, the guy who does it now, and you know, I, again, it just got lost somewhere. I have it in my sent folder. He never got to his end, I guess. So I'm going to be in Factor Fiction next week to kind of make up for that, and then I'll have coverage on Wednesday, and man, I'm going to be burned out. You and Joanna should take a vacation. I don't know her. I have never met her. Your continued suppositions are bordering on the asinine. (laughs) Bordering? Oh, yeah, you haven't crossed it yet. You could try harder if you want. And the show. And the show. <laughs> All right. So tune in tomorrow. You can listen to Mark and his lovely wife, Melissa, review the BFG while also reading along with my coverage. We'll be back next week on, t- uh, on Tuesday for The Secret Life of Pets. Until then, for Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winfrey, reminding everyone out there to please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>